You're listening to the Shut Up and Teach podcast. I'm your host, Elijah Carbajal. Let's get started. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Hey everyone, it's Elijah here. Before we get to the episode, I just wanted to ask you a question. Have you heard? My book has been released. I would be so honored if you would read my book, A Place They Love. Here's how you can purchase the book to read it. It's available on the EduMatch website. It's available on Amazon in three formats, paperback, hardback, and Kindle. And available at Barnes and Noble in paperback and ebook. I hope that you'll check it out. I hope that you'll leave an awesome review. I hope that you'll share it with a friend. Now, let's get to the episode. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Shut Up and Teach podcast. It's Elijah here. The uh, I'll be, yeah, if I can find my words, it's still a little early. I am a Title One reading interventionist from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, the I'm the author of the newly released book, A Place They Love. So I hope you guys can check that out. Obviously, you're listening to this, so thank you for finding your way back here. I'm excited today to um, talk with my guest on the show today. Today, I've got Mickey Smith Jr. And I mean, there's so much to what he does that I'm not going to try to like introduce all of what he, all of who he is and what he does. We'll get to that in just a sec. But Mickey, thank you so much for being on the show. How are you doing today? I am doing amazing. Or as a good friend of mine, soon to be Dr. Valori Humphrey says, I am doing amazing on purpose today. Oh, I like that. Amazing <laughs> on purpose. That's a good uh, like way to set the intention for the day. I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> well, Mickey, I'm, I'm glad we can make this happen. Uh, we connected back at Teach Better. You were you were in my actually you were in my uh, my session when the technology wasn't working and all that. And I was kind of scrambling. Uh, but, you know, it's nice to meet you way back then, it seems like. And so. Um, just thanks again for being on the show. Could you take some time now to introduce who you are formally and, um, you know, what your role is in, within education? You do a bunch of other stuff kind of outside of that. So please take as much time with these questions and answers as you like. The mic is yours. Man, appreciate it. Thank you so much, Elijah. It's, it's a, it's a honor to be with you today. And I don't say that lightly. I think anytime we get a chance to really connect, um, that that's something special. Um, I think it's so interesting that in a world full of connectivity, be it social media and technologies, there's times where we feel more distant now more than ever. So uh, I really do appreciate you opening up your door, so to speak, and and uh, let me kind of cohabitate with you through conversation today. And and big shout out to everybody that's listening. You know who who I am. Um, I, I'll say this, man. This may be kind of controversial. The last thing I am as a teacher. I'm gonna be honest with you. Like, if you ask me who I am, uh, I'm I'm Eugenia's husband. Uh, I try to get that. I try to get that good. Some days, some days good. Some days bad. You know, we're all just humanity on display, man. I'm 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 Michaela and William's dad. I try to do that well. I try to get that one good. You know, and some days better than others. Uh, I'm I'm the son 
of Mickey Sr. and Emma Smith. I'm the brother of Addie. I'm the uncle of Addison and Caleb and a host of other uh, nieces and nephews. And, and I'm, I'm saying that for this reason, that when the story is said and done, the last thing we really are is what we do. Mm, the first yeah. thing we are is what we be. So mm. I, I, I just really want to make sure that the folks that are listening today make sure that we stay centered and focused on what's really important. I think those are the keys to saying uh, equipped and, and to persevering in the classroom. Now, if you ask me what I'm doing, you know, then I'd say I'm teaching. But I start with those words because at the end of the day, I don't think any of us are called human doings. We're called human beings. Mm -hmm. So so my being comes first. And uh, when, I, when, I, when, I'm, uh, when I'm settled in that, yeah, yeah. I, I teach a little bit during the daytime. I teach I teach fourth fourth through twelfth grade music education uh, at a school in West Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, before then, before a couple of years ago, um, I, Louisiana born and raised. I mean, how does song say on the playground where I spent most of my days, man? Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm born and raised from the Bayou State and and taught there. My first year teaching was Hurricane Rita and Katrina, trial by storm. Some people have trial by fire. I got. I got the Twisted Sisters, man. They they showed up that year, <laughs> yeah. and uh, that first year was was an incredible experience, and it's one that I think really set the tone for my career because I understand now that wherever you may be and however you may be listening to this, there's always going to be storms, but there'll never be a storm so big that if you don't just keep on going, you won't come out on the other side. They just that storm doesn't exist. There's no there's no storm so enormous that our perseverance can't overcome it. And, and those thoughts have served me well in the classroom because I'm no different than anybody else listening to this podcast. Sure, I've, I've won a few awards. I've been named Teacher of the Year seven times. I've been named the Grammy Music Educator Award recipient for the nation. And I don't say any of those things to impress you, but to impress upon you, they're just things. And at the end of the day, I haven't had one student yet that was compelled by my accolades. But what they were compelled by was my presence in the classroom, my authenticity, my, my, my ability, my, um, uh, my compassion, um, uh, my, my, just like I said, my presence, they want to know that you care at the end of the day. And I think anytime that I go into a classroom, it's an opportunity to serve. So, uh, if you ask me what I do, uh, I would say, I don't teach music. I teach children. And uh, with that reason, I, I feel like I'm living a blessed life. I'm living the best life because each and every day I get to go in and make a difference in a measurable way that few other vocations can boast or even claim. So if you're listening out there today and you part of the noble profession called teachers, I salute you today. Hat, hats off to you, so to speak, today because you are making a difference no matter what it may look like or no matter what it may feel like. Uh, your significance transcends what your circumstances and what you're going through. So that's a little bit about who I am. And uh, I'm just I'm just excited about being in the space today, man. So thank you again. Well, it's good to have you in the space. And man, you're just like dripping with like hope and positivity and encouragement already. So I know this is going to be a great, uh, great episode. So thank you for thank you for kicking it off on a good note. Um, so you talked music right that's one of the things you do not yeah. who you are but it's one of the things you do and you're passionate about where did this passion come from like where did it kind of start could we go back in time a little bit to young mickey smith jr and and kind of get a snapshot of what that was like and how have you kept this passion alive 
what opportunities has it led to? What opportunities have you given or provided students with because of this passion that you bring every day to the classroom? Wow. Wow. Um, yeah, man, that, that's, that's a loaded question because at the end of the day, um, I believe we all have that level of passion. And I, I believe the only difference between those that are living life and those that are just alive is a sense of um, promise optimism they have a compelling future that that we that propels us to want to get up in the morning be honest with you i hadn't used an alarm clock in years i just i just get up i'm like the kid that's got the field trip it's amazing mm -hmm. some of them jokers don't come to school when they got the field trip <laughs> no alarm clock needed right and and i believe we all have that but so many people they they they, they they're paralyzed in their potential of what could be uh, what could be hoped for and potential is a wonderful thing but potential is no different than talent Last time I checked, there's a show called America's Got Talent. Biggest insult in the world. They're literally telling you that your talent isn't special, that everybody's got it. So how do you transcend from potential to promise? I believe it's what you said. I believe it's finding something that you're passionate about. So as I begin to share some of what people may say is gifting and talent, um, I need you to understand that, that all I'm doing is today, hopefully serving as a mirror, because every listener today, everyone that's, that's taking in this information today, you have something that ignites you. And it's so important that we stay plugged into that because just like a vehicle needs the ignition, that's what your passion is. It starts it. And, and once you find your passion, then purpose becomes that fuel that drives the vehicle, that fuels the vehicle. And without that ignition and that driver, without the passion, the purpose, it's hard to stay driven as a teacher. It's hard to stay driven as a person, as a human being. So when you ask me this question, it comes from a deep place. I mean, how did I get started? By accident. And it's so funny. We all have plans. You know, Elijah, it was so funny. When I met you, man, you had an amazing plan on your presentation. Mm -hmm. But I want you to know something. <laughs> your presentation didn't fall flat. Your presentation, like, like it, was so, it was so incredible. You couldn't hear it, I think, because you were in the midst of, you know, doing and taking care of things. But there were so many sidebar conversations after your presentation, particularly where people were talking about the value they got from it, where people mm -hmm. were talking about, wow, he's one of us. He's real. Cause we've all had those, uh, what do you call them? Those, uh, those, uh, evaluations where, you know, administrator comes in and everything goes wrong. It, in all honesty, that was maybe the best thing that could have happened. So, so a lot of times I, when things go wrong, I always say it's going to plan mm -hmm. because sometimes the plan that's happening is bigger than the plan that I had. And music was that type of deal for me because I had no intention of joining band except my best friend, Leroy Blunt. Leroy, across the street, joined band. He signed up on the trombone. And the only reason I signed up for band was because my best friend across the street signed up. Mm -hmm. Had no musical uh, intention. Had no interest in it. Matter of fact, I had taken piano lessons before and dropped out because the dudes on the on the block, my boys was they would they was picking on me because because <laughs> I used to be nice on the basketball court and 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 I was catching a lot of grief about those piano lessons. So I <laughs> I low key quit. I bombed them on purpose. So I had no intention of doing music, but Leroy joined. So you see, for so many of us in the classroom, it's so important that we realize that life moves at the speed of relationships. That that for many of our kids, the learning cannot be separated from the relationship that modern day teaching is relationship based teaching. We can't undervalue and overlook the importance of who we are to them. And most importantly, who those other students are in the classroom. And for me, had Leroy not been my best friend, 
I wouldn't be sitting here with you right now. Now, Leroy joined band, but he quit the very next year. But I kept on going because once I got into it, I felt like there was something compelling about this. Now, could you tell from the first note? Absolutely not. Matter of fact, my first note was so bad that my mom told me keep on going outside the house, down the driveway <laughs> and across the street. The woods was my practice room, man. Can you believe that? <laughs> the woods was my practice room. And I began to work out my sounds. I began to improve. And I learned a very valuable life lesson that sometimes in life, and I need educators right now under the sound of my voice to hear this well. It's okay. Sometimes you got to encourage yourself. Sometimes the cavalry ain't coming in. When it does, we call that lanyap in Louisiana. That means a little extra lanyap. That's a little bonus, a little French word right there. So, so if the cavalry comes in, that's the bonus. But it's the exception, not the rule. Sometimes in life, we have to... We have to develop those muscles of resiliency to operate in a level of significance for ourselves and for others. And in the woods, I learned something that what I saw as a season of isolation, being separated from my friends and being ridiculed and laughed at because in middle school, you don't win popularity contests by being the weird <laughs> dude that plays the saxophone in the woods. <laughs> and that separation was crazy because it really wasn't isolation. It was actually an opportunity for elevation, for improvement of my craft. And now I, I'm before you today in a season of celebration, being named Grammy Music Educator Award recipient. And honestly, at the time of this recording, preparing to go to the Grammys again as part of a musical project that's up for an award. And again, I don't say any of this to brag, but to bring a, a level of you know, awareness that there's really nothing special about me. But I learned in the woods and through music that there's something significant about me. And eventually, my parents opened up that door. And I'm gonna be honest with you, when they opened up that door, it was more than just a door. It was game over. Because when they opened up the door, I knew, I knew this was something special. I knew that this had a great potential because the same person that told me to keep on going, I realized now I'm going to clap my hands. I realized now all the time she was really saying, keep on going. She never mm -hmm. said stop. And sometimes we have to look at our situation and really ask ourselves, what is the situation teaching? What is the situation really showing me in this season? And, and for me, that's what music has been. It's been an opportunity to reflect. It's been an opportunity to see through a lens of love. And now fast forward, here I am. I'm that kid that was making C's and D's playing in the woods. Two years later, I was student of the year for my school. Why? Because I found something I was passionate about. I found something I can pour myself into and then pour it out into others. And then four years later, first male in my family to graduate from high school, first in my family to go to college on a music scholarship. I didn't even know that was a thing. I thought, I thought you had to be a particular musician, but now I teach kids across the country that you don't even have to be a band director or musician. You can use this. You can parlay this passion to help you fund your education. You can go be a doctor, a lawyer. You can go be an accountant and have a music scholarship. And it's literally changed lives. Matter of fact, I started a nonprofit. Why? Because had it not been for the generosity of someone in my life giving me my instrument, maybe I wouldn't have had one. So I started a nonprofit called Music Makers to You back in Louisiana, and we encourage the community to dust off and donate instruments. And from that, we've outfitted hundreds at this point, really, I think it's thousands of students with instruments. And at the same time, the same level of scholarships have come from that. Why? Making an opportunity for others. You do more than teach educators. You reach when you do it powerfully. You do more than instruct, you inspire. And each and every day in our classroom is an opportunity. And every opportunity is just another opportunity for another opportunity. You're looking from a boy that came from a broken community, a forgotten community, they bulldozed my whole town. It doesn't even exist anymore. But from that overlooked and underserved community, I now stand before you today 
an accomplished educator, credential, multiple degrees, but most importantly, making a difference. And uh, that's that's what music did for me. And I, and I believe that there's folks listening today. If you look again for the first time, if you look again for the first time, you'll realize that you carry a level of significance in this day and into your classroom and each and every day you walk in that classroom. Nice. Again, the positivity is just like, just coming out everywhere here. And I love it. Um, music does. It, it is such, I mean, it, it music, I can literally say saved my life before. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I so see I'm, the guitars with you, man. I mean, like, like I got the bass I'm, too. I'm, yeah. I'm intrigued, man. Like when, what was it for you? Oh man. So I grew up in a very musical family. Um, my dad was a drum major in high school. Um, my mom, uh, played guitar. She taught my dad and my brother how to play guitar. And then I eventually picked it up and learned for myself. Um, but bass actually the one that's hiding behind me, the bass there is actually my first love and, um, but messed around with guitar enough to where I liked it and, you know, picked it up for good. And, um, but I think, you know, I, I was that kid, I was the headphone singer in the car, you know, singing yeah. way off key and all that. And, um, you know, just, I, I just remember always having a song kind of stuck in my head, even if it was just, you know, the Jeopardy theme song or, you know, mm -hmm. something random, there was always some kind of melody stuck in my head. And so, um, you know, picking it up, you know, watching my dad play and my uncle and my cousins and then my brother, it was like, that kind of seemed like something I wanted to do and kind of chase after I originally wanted to play guitar but there was a it, so my brother was messing around with drums one of my other brothers and then this guy from our church that we were playing with he said he's like I play guitar I was like sweet I'll, I'll play guitar like you can play lead or whatever he goes no we need a bass player you're yeah. gonna play bass <laughs> and so I got like kind of voluntold to play bass and it and it turns out it's it's my favorite instrument of all so that one there kind of like you it it came by accident you know the love yeah. of bass and all that and and so um you know I've continued that passion you know just to stir it as much as I can through you know exploring all sorts of genres and different instruments and all sorts of stuff so you know it's so it's so interesting again that that word you know accident you know, happenstance. And it's, it's, it's so interesting. Steve Jobs, uh, I'm probably going to butcher this, but I, I can remember him saying uh, a phrase of connecting the dots. And he always had this idea that if you're looking forward, if you're looking forward, you'll never be able to connect the dots. It's only when we look back with hindsight that we see how everything was perfectly woven together, that it all made perfect sense. Mm -hmm. And the more time we try to spend trying to construct it and figure it out and not just operate in it, it's actually wasted space and time. Um, now, I say that, am I the guy that tries to plan stuff out? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I also understand that there's a balance and a grace that we have to give time and that space because some things just happen when they happen. But listening to you again, I'm reminded, you know, the accident, I think it's all going to plan. Why am I saying that? Because, you know, I would imagine that to somebody now, I'm sure baby Elijah was a sweet and adorable, <laughs> adorable soul. But I could imagine in the car, depending on the length of this trip, those headphones in and it's like mile marker number 422. And my man still singing the song. It may have been a bit agitating and annoying, right? Oh, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, 
you know, I'm sure there were times like, so my mom didn't make me go out and play in the, you know, in the back of the weeds and all that and okay. yeah, out there. But there were a lot of times where I was like, okay, we're getting you headphones so you can plug into your amp so we don't have to hear, you know, what you're playing. So I was, I was like that, you know, just like you learning along and fumbling and making mistakes and all that. And it didn't sound pretty the first, the first few times and, and so on. So. And it's so interesting, you know, hearing you say that reminded me of when I was going to middle school, uh, I had been bused to this different school uh, because our community was, we didn't know it then because we were looking forward, but hindsight, looking back, uh, things were being put in place to dissolve our community. Uh, again, my community doesn't exist anymore. They bulldoze the whole thing. There's not a blade of grass. There's not a tree stump. The school's not mm. there. Nothing's there. They build a chemical plant on top of it. And we all know that those type of decisions aren't made in a week, but they're made in decades. So uh, looking back on it now, I understand that the decision to start shipping us off to the, to the neighboring town, to that school, was a long-term plan to dissolve that community. Uh, but a, a, a high level of stress as a little kid going to a school where things were very different and the people talked different, they looked different and you know they, they just did things differently. And I remember not feeling my best in that classroom. And I also remember my report card, uh, which I recently found when I was cleaning, cleaning out my house as we moved from Louisiana to Florida. You find things when you move. And mm -hmm. in that report card, I had ends. It said um, in uh, for conduct for those of a certain generation. Maybe they don't do that now, but in meant not satisfactory. It wasn't the good thing, right? You wanted an O for outstanding or at worst an S for satisfactory. But that N, oh, man. That was the curse of death. That was the kiss of death. And I had three of them. I had an N. He said, uh, makes too much noise in class, talks too much, disruptive. They said N, distractive, uh, distracting. He, he's, he makes too much noise. He's, he's you know, beating, you know, humming and singing. And it, and it said uh, N, distracted, draws too much, you know, off task. And it's so interesting that now fast forward X number of years later, now I get paid to talk too much <laughs> as a public speaker. Yeah, I get paid to make too much noise as a musician. And I get paid to draw too much as an illustrator. And it's so interesting. I'm always reminded of that report card when I teach and when I have those kids that sometimes, and I know, maybe I'm the only one that's listening today. Maybe nobody else has that kid. Mm. <laughs> nobody else has that kid that maybe is kind of rubbing you the wrong way. But, but, but I realize now that it's those kids that aren't necessarily rubbing me the wrong way as much as they're polishing me up so that I can shine so that they mm -hmm. can shine. It's those kids that, that seemingly feel unloving and annoying that actually need love the most in the most peculiar ways. It's those kids like me that it's not really a deficiency. It was really my superpower in disguise. Mm -hmm. And fast forward, the kid that would sing along with Jeopardy and probably didn't pay attention to the TV show, but run to the TV when the commercials came on to bounce and sing along. Did we know that he would be a fantastic bass player, an accomplished musician and, and the uh, creator of a podcast mm -hmm. that would affect the lives of many who could have known? And I, and I challenge you today to look again for the first time in that classroom. And I'm challenging you as I challenge myself daily because I'm not perfect because there's always that kid but i need you to understand that the very person that you're listening to today was that kid and i'm so grateful for Dylan paul ancillette you'll never know his name but you know his impact because 
you're listening to me today. And he's that military guy, geography teacher in sixth grade that, that pulled me aside and said, no, 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 we got something for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something inside of you. We're going to keep you on the straight and narrow. We're going we're gonna to give you something. We're going to give you a compelling future. We're going to mm-hmm. take you on a college campus for the first time and let you, let you see that you belong there because you come from a community that doesn't see that. And that's what you do as educators. You help those young people see their sound and their sound is the significance that resonates in their lives for years to come. The sound can be seen and you're the sound keepers. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny you mentioned the sound cause I, that was, that was something that really left that I, that I took away from your keynote at teach better was, you know, find your sound, see your sound. Um, what is, you know, how do we foster that? How do we help students find their sound? How do we help others find their sound? Um, is it something that they, it's, it's too personal. They need to find themselves. Is it something that we can provide encouragement along the way? How do we help others find their sound? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I think it comes first with being sound. You know, we can, I'm gonna put it like this. My wife, my wife years ago wanted a particular vehicle, right? It wasn't a fancy vehicle. It was like a Ford Fusion, right? But she wanted it a certain way, certain color. It was a particular color she wanted. I can't even tell you the color because it was like a blue, but it wasn't blue. Like it mm. was some type of indigo or midnight indigo unicorn blue it was like one of these fancy you know like you can't even find that crayon in the box right <laughs> so i'm thinking wow this is significant okay okay so so i took that and put in the memory bank i actually had her you know write it out type it out for me and uh, we didn't have the money or the means at the time but i knew that the moment we were able to i was going to get my wife that car and uh, for her birthday i was able to surprise her with it now here's the crazy thing she wanted that car because she saw it on the internet. She had never seen it anywhere before. It was so unique. We got in the car one Sunday or Saturday and we drove to Houston, Texas. We lived in Louisiana, about a two and a half hour drive. Between where we lived in Houston, Elijah, we saw, we saw no less than 20 of those cars. Now here's what's crazy. Before she bought that vehicle, we never saw that car. But the moment we bought it, we started noticing it everywhere. Now, the reason it's not mumbo jumbo or hocus pocus or some type of mystical thing is actually science. There's this thing called the reticular activation system. And and think about the reticular activation system is it's a governor. It's a filter because there's so much stimulus stimuli that that's coming at us every day. Our brain has to have something in it to say no to the things that don't matter and say yes to the things that are of significance. So our attention and our awareness are key components to our success in life and to our health in life, because without that governor, we would be inundated with needless information that would overwhelm us. Why am I telling you this? Because the moment you want to find something in life, I believe you need to be that first. And the moment you start being that, then it heightens that level of awareness and it lets you see the things that you never saw before. I love watching that 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 detective uh, guy Col- uh, was named Columbo. <laughs> Columbo, that's old school. Some of yeah. y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Columbo, man, he came off like he didn't really know what was going on, but he was in, he was keenly aware. He could see the clues that others couldn't see. And I think part of being sound is being aware, being aware of yourself, being aware of what you want, being aware of what matters to you, being aware of what matters and what you can control. And that may sound so simple for people that are listening, but I believe that narrowing our 
intentions and our actions to those things that matter and those things that we can control <laughs> simplifies our life in exponentially. And once we do that, now we step into our classroom with a different energy that coupled with that sense of passion and purpose that we talked about before makes you stand out. You're not just a teacher. You then become a sound adult. And because you're operating in that skill set, watch this. You begin to see individuals differently and watch this. They begin to see you differently. They begin to see you differently. And all of a sudden you begin to attract the things that you want and you begin to become a powerful model. See, we're role models, whether we want to believe it or not. Charles Barkley back in the day had a commercial. He said, I'm not a role model. And the truth of the matter is he wasn't. He wasn't hired or signed a contract to be a role model. But whether you want to or not, if you are in front of an audience, you become a role model. So the first step of helping others be sound is to be a reflection of them, be a reflection to them because you do more than teach. I didn't come to teach necessarily or to preach to anybody today. I just came to remind you that you are sound and that you have a sound that resonates. And at the end of the day, if we want to change the world, first we have to change ourselves. So how do we do that? I believe it comes down to four things, really. Five, I guess. It comes down to being sound, S-O-U-N-D. S stands for, and this is what I do each and every day. I write down and I think about, I'm purposeful about how I'm going to be sound. Because I don't want to just leave you with a speech today. I want to give you some transformative tools too. Right. How do I, how can I be sound? S, see yourself beyond yourself. Be available. We live in a world that's me, 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 get, 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 mine, 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 mine. But that's not how we win. See, I teach band and in band, and you know this from playing with the band, if one person's playing too loud, then all that's heard is their sound. And watch this, that's not even the worst thing because they may have a great sound, but the experience is, is lessened. Last night, I hopped on stage with this group. They saw me in the audience. They was like, Mickey, we know you got your sax, man. Come on up here. And I hopped on the stage with the man and we had a great time and people were blown away. They thought we rehearsed. We didn't rehearse. I just hopped on stage with him. Mickey, how were you able to do that? Because as much as I was playing, I was listening. I was yeah. aware of my role in the bigger picture. And when we as quote unquote musicians are operating at a level where only our sound can be heard, not only are we overwhelming the listener and bringing a level of imbalance to what's being done, but maybe most importantly, we're cheating ourselves out of the experience because the biggest part of music is not playing. It's getting to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Mm -hmm. And there's an enjoyment that comes from playing the bass with others. Elijah, I know you have a great time practicing in, in the studio, in the practice room, but the joy comes when you connect with others. Yeah, yeah. Life's yeah. better when we band together. So, so, so that idea of seeing beyond your problems, seeing beyond your shortcomings, seeing beyond the problematic circumstances, situations, relationships, situationships, seeing beyond those things allows us to enjoy teaching every day, enjoy life every day, because we understand there's more to this thing that meets the eye. Anytime I have a problem, I now go to the beach. I live on the Atlantic coast and I go to the beach because there's something about looking at a body of water that's bigger than you can imagine that helps you put everything in perspective. That problem that I thought was so big, 
toss it in the ocean and it ain't nothing. It's nothing. And that's the small ocean. We ain't even talking about the Pacific. I'm just talking about the Atlantic. So seeing beyond yourself is such an important muscle to develop. O stands for operate in optimism and excellence. So if S was being available, then operating in optimism and excellence, O is um, being authentic. And somebody said, well, Mickey, you just, you said early, you're, you're dripping with positivity. Okay, May, maybe I am. Watch this. I'd like to think what I'm dripping with is authenticity, right? Because at the end of the day, we're all positive in our own different ways. For as positive as you think I am, if you saw me, and Elijah, you can probably attest to this. I don't just walk around grinning and laughing all the time. I kind of low-key got a serious face. And if you judge me on my face, you might think, oh, he's sad. But there's something more to us than what people can see. My man Twitch, you know, rest his soul. The dude mm -hmm. that was on the Ellen show. People saw a smile. They didn't realize there was pain inside. Yeah. Okay. And, and at the same token, sometimes you might see a frown on the face, but watch this. I may have a frown, but I got joy inside. See, the smile is superficial, that surface. What's inside of you is what really matters. And, and for so many of us, <laughs> operating in optimism and excellence, is not as hard as we think. It's just being authentic. If you feel like smiling that day, give yourself the grace and the release to smile. If, if, you, feel like, if you feel like paying for somebody's coffee in the drive-thru, just do it. It doesn't mean you give a motivational talk. It just means that you operate at your optimum and ask yourself, what can I do today to be a little bit better? Maybe I can, maybe I can find two people and tell them good morning. They think that's strange where I'm at now. Back in Louisiana, that's how we just talk. Like, hey, how you doing? Good morning. Hey, give somebody a hug. But where I'm at now, people are a little bit more standoffish. So, so my energy kind of comes off kind of weird. But you know what? I got to be me. I got to be me. So if I see you, and I'm feeling it. I'm going to say, hey, good to see you. And I mean that. Why? Because as I, as I honor you, it brings blessing to me. So what is that for you? You think about that today. What is your optimism? What is your excellence? And then U stands for utilize all available resources. We talked about it before. S, see yourself beyond yourself. That's be available. Uh, we talked about, oh, operate in optimism and excellence. That's be authentic. Well, utilize all available resources. That's be active. Take action. Stop waiting for tomorrow. You know, so many people are like, man, if I was at that school district or if I had that school or if I had their budget or if I had that administration, you know what? If you find, if you sit back and say the woulda, the what ifs, the woulda, coulda, I got a friend that said all the time, you know, so many people, they woulda, coulda, shoulda all the time. They, they do it so much. They, they shoulda all over themselves. I said, Oh my <laughs> goodness. You know, and, but it's, there's some truth into that. You know, you don't want to live your life with woulda, coulda, shoulda. I believe that there is opportunities in each and every day, but we overlook them. That's why it's so important that you're intentional, that you write these things down. I'm doing a course right now through Vandercook College that talks about this as educators. There are so many opportunities, blessings, and, 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 and resources that we literally step over because we are simply unaware. I believe that I'm living my best life because I made the best of the life that I had before this. And everybody has that unique opportunity. And at the end of the day, it's really not that unique. It's just unique to you. Utilize what you have. And then finally, in nourish relationships. Well, we talked about see yourself beyond yourself. What? Be available. Operate in optimism, excellence. We talked about that uh, being authentic. 
utilize all available resources, be active, nourish relationships. Watch this. Be and. Somebody said be and. What is that? Be and. Look, I'm going to put it like this. I teach band. But the crazy thing is you can't even spell band without the word and. You can't do band by yourself. I see those instruments there. Matter of fact, you got three of them behind you, which tells me one person can't play them all. That, that for them to be done at their optimum, we need a community of individuals to help us discover the sound as it was meant to be heard. And I think teaching is no different than that. Somebody said, Mickey, I don't play music. I'm not a band director. Listen, your sound, if you hadn't heard it today, your sound is not an audible. It's an internal significance you bring to the stage. Mm -hmm. Mickey, I'm not a musician. I'm not on the stage. The stage is your classroom. The stage is your administration room. The stage is your boardroom. The stage is your living room. Whatever room, you create a life room when you bring the sound, the significance. But you can't do that alone. People like my saxophone, but they like it a whole lot better when it's connected to other sounds. I'm telling you today, life's better when we band together. So ask yourself this, who can I pour into today? I told you today uh, when we started that my identity lies in my being. So when we get off this call, I know for a fact that I need to make some deposits into mm -hmm. my family. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to stop what I'm doing, and I need to make sure that I take time with my wife today, whatever that looks like for her and for me. I need to take time with my children. Now, to do that, I have to be intentional because there's so many things pulling at me that if I leave it up to life, life's going to rob me. Mm, yeah. But life can also pay me if I know what I want. And I'm telling you today, nourish the relationships and they'll nourish you. If you pour your cup empty, it always comes back twice as full when it's poured into the right thing. Now, somebody said, Mickey, you got that Louisiana math. You said four things. You said that was the last thing. Well, I write down each one, uh, on each one of these areas. I write down one small actionable thing that I can do to see myself beyond myself in the course of a day, to operate in optimism and excellence, to utilize all available resources, to nourish relationships, a small thing, nothing big, something that I can do to make today a Wednesday, W-I-N-S, to make today a win. I write those things down. And if I do those four things, watch this. D happens. Don't stop. Keep on going. Mm. It's amazing. That's the product. If it was a math equation, those four things we added up and the sum total of those things is don't stop. Keep on going. Somebody said, Mickey, how can you be so encouraged? How do you wake up with this? Because I've developed a muscle. I've developed a muscle that allows me not just to look, but to see. Because sometimes you can be looking right at something and never see it. And if we aren't intentional about being sound, then we'll look into those classrooms and we'll never see the lives that we've been charged over, that we've been blessed with, to the blessing in this thing called teaching. Wow, man, that was an incredible response. Thank you so much for taking us through sound. And I, I absolutely love that. I'm going to get all that written out, put it in the show notes so people can read it as well. Because man, that was a lot. And thank you so much for speaking to that. You covered some of my questions that I was actually going to ask you. So um, I appreciate that. And, and look, just... look, I mean, this is, this is, for me, this is what it's all about. Um, I believe my calling right now, Mike, Michael Jordan used to have this thing back in the day when he played basketball. He, you, and people are guarding him. He say, you reach, I teach. If you try to reach, I'm, I'm going to dunk on you. Well, I, I, I'm not MJ, but I, I reach and I teach teachers. 
And I don't say that to say that I know so much more than teachers, but I believe that we're in a crisis right now. We are, we, we are experiencing teacher uh, uh, retention um, uh, levels dropping to an unprecedented point. And there are so many people right now that are struggling, rightfully so, in the classroom. I don't want to I don't want to diminish what they're going through. I mean, it's legitimate. There are challenges and there are people that want to teach, but they don't know how can I how can I remain resilient? That's that's my heart and my calling. My, my, my heart is teaching, but my passion is helping others stay in there, stay in their passion. And uh, through through motivational talk, through message, through music, I have an album out called See the Sound. I have a podcast as well called See the Sound. Uh, that music and that message is encouraging educators everywhere to keep on going. And now being able to take keynotes and concerts on a nationwide uh, tour, we call the Keep On Going Tour, I've been able to go into school districts and just pour into educators at a time where we need it the most. Uh, is it a challenge? Yes. Is it is it difficult balancing it as a full-time teacher? Yes. But is it necessary? Absolutely. Because mm -hmm. when I was at my lowest, there was always somebody there to remind me to keep on going. And uh, it's just my hope and my prayer in this season that even if it's just for one person, that the music and the message can do the same thing for them, uh, whether it's for a school district or whether it's for a, a conference. Um, that's where my that's where my heart is. So being able to break bread, so to speak, with you and just kind of fellowship and talk and share. This has been this has been delightful for me. And, and I and I just hope and pray that for those that are listening, they found just one or two nuggets that that will help them this school year and even beyond, because we need you now more than ever to keep on going. Yes, we do. We do need educators around the world who are, you know, in the trenches to, you know, keep on going, but also know that there are people in your corner like Mickey and myself um, who, you know, will encourage you and be there for you along the way. Um, Mickey, thanks. Thanks so much for being on the show. I've, I've appreciated this conversation, but we're not quite done yet. We have one more question. It's a three-part oh, question. All right. So Mickey Smith, I'm wondering, what are you listening to? What have you been reading and what have you been watching? Oh, that's good questions. That's good questions. Um, you know, before I, before I answer that, there's a quote by coach Jim Valvano and I'm going to butcher it, but he says something to the effect of, or he said he passed away from cancer, but his last speech before he passed away was one of the most powerful speeches ever given. Uh, and ESPN actually shows it annually uh, as a reminder of folks uh, of, of what the, the mission is um, in, in, in the battle with cancer. But he talks about how if in the course of a day you can laugh, cry, think, and I believe feel that you've lived an amazingly full day. And, and at first listen to that, I was like, oh, okay. But when I really thought about that, how many, how many days, Elijah, I don't know, how many days have you had where you did all those things? Like you laughed, <laughs> like what crying, you know, like you, or maybe you just laughed and you had a deep cry. Like you had the emotional gamut that day and, 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 and you, you felt, and you, something hit you that was thought provoking. Like those days, those days are rare and special. Uh, but I believe that, through our intake, we can create that level of satisfaction and fulfillment. So that question that you asked of what are you watching? What are you listening to? What are you uh, reading? I think those are powerful bridges and avenues to us experiencing our best. So I'll say this, I'm very, very selective about what I, what I take in. Not perfect, but I'm very intentional about what I take in. I don't watch a lot of TV. 
I'm gonna be honest with you. So you you asked that question at the perfect time because there's really only about two times the year where I'm really watching TV, and that's the NFL playoffs and the NBA playoffs. Other than that, I don't really watch a lot of TV. I don't watch a lot of news. Uh, I, I always feel like we have these smart devices. Anything I really need to know, you and I both know, we're going to get inundated with it anyway. Yeah. I don't need to, like, tie up my day with it. So right. uh, you asked a great, great question. So what am I watching right now? I'm watching the playoffs. I'm watching the all playoffs. Right. I'm, uh, I don't really tune into the regular season. I just kind of wait for all the dust to settle, and I, I jump in at the end. So I'm watching yeah. the playoffs right now. Uh, as far as what I'm reading, I've been reading this book called The Playful Classroom. Oh, my by Jed Derryberry. Jed. Okay, good, good. I was going to say, I know Jed. I didn't want to mispronounce it. Say his last name again for me. Uh, Derryberry. 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 I hope I'm saying his name. Julie. I hope I'm saying his name. Jones, too. Yeah. Yeah. Julie Jones, yeah. Jed and Julie. Um, The great book. Um, I've actually started um, really diving into teaching elementary school band. Okay. And okay. prior to moving to Florida, I only, always started band in middle school, but now I've got like eight year olds, fourth graders. So I've had to reconstitute my thinking and my approach mm. because the things that work at a high school level and even at a middle school level don't necessarily work at an elementary level. So how, how do I present this content called music education with these instruments that are so bulky in a way where kids don't lose interest and burn out? I believe it's creating a playful experience. So I've tried to find that balance between play and that level of discipline that's required on the instrument. And that book has been tremendously helpful for me. And um, what am I listening to? Um, I have I have a um, I have a saxophone role model. He's a he's a hero of mine. I got a few, but uh, one that comes to mind is a gentleman by the name of Kirk Whalum. And I believe that everybody that's listening today has heard Kirk Whalum. You just didn't know it. Because if you've ever heard the song by Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You, there's a saxophone solo in the middle of it. And that's Kirk. That's Kirk Whalum. He's uh, probably the most listened to saxophone player in history. I don't have the, 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 the specs on it or the stats, but I'm pretty certain that song got a lot of radio play back in the day. Uh, so I'm, I'm listening to one of his albums, and it's called Humanité. Uh, he's, he's a trilingual. He speaks English, French, and uh, Spanish. And humanité is a take on the word humanity. And what he's done is he's taken songs of hope and of the human experience. And he's partnered with musicians from every corner of the globe to create this global album that speaks to the value that we all have. And uh, it's grooves. It's got a great groove to it. It's got a great listen to it. But it's got, an, uh, I think, an amazing message. So if you check it out, Humanité, there's even a documentary. Uh, I, I'm not a paid spokesperson. I just I just like what's good. So Humanité, NFL playoffs, and Playful Classroom. Can you tell I'm a little bit different? I'm probably all over the place. <laughs> well, but it all centers around, like, play, right? NFL, we're playing sports, right? The Playful Classroom, all that. I, I love it. So um, thank you, Mickey. I appreciate it. So um, thank you so much again for being on the show, Mickey. How can our listeners uh, get in? you know, find you, are you on social media? How can they get, find your music, all that? Yeah, I'm, 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 a, I'm a quote, uh, my man, he's the coach at uh, University of Colorado now, Deion Sanders. I'm a, co I'm a, I'm a uh, quote, Coach Prime. I ain't hard to find. I ain't hard to find, <laughs> y'all. So, so look, 
Uh, you can find me on any social media platform simply under my name, Mickey Smith Jr. And uh, if you're interested in having me work with your school district or if there's any way that I could serve or if there's just something you, you just would like me to share with you, uh, I'm an open book. Um, I, I want to see us all win in this season. You can simply go to my website at MickeySmithJr.com. So easy to remember. It goes like this. M-I-C-K-E-Y. S-M-I-T-H-J-R.com, just like the mouse, MickeySmithJr.com. So uh, that's the best way to find me. And, and I really look forward to connecting with each and every one of you that are listening. Please know uh, I'm only a, an email or, 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 or inbox away. Thank you for all that you do. And uh, keep on going at the end of the day. Keep on going. I love it. Thanks again, Mickey. I appreciate you taking time out of your day to chat with me. Um, this is a lot of fun, and I hope we can continue the conversation in, in the future. Indeed. Thank you for all that you do. Until next time. Thanks. Listeners, thank you for joining us. I hope you can connect with Mickey Smith Jr. and um, all the work that he's doing. Thanks for joining us. Share this episode with a friend, a colleague, and I hope you guys are doing well. And like Mickey Smith Jr. says, keep on going. See you guys on the next show. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Shut Up and Teach podcast. I hope that you'll check out previous episodes, and I hope that you'll share this with a friend or a colleague.